This is Solastalgia. My name is Sue Ann Harding. My name is Colin Shaw. And this podcast is a series of stories about accidental environmental activism in Northern Ireland. I first came across the word solastalgia when I was reading Robert McFarlane's book, Underland. And solastalgia is a word that was coined by an Australian professor, Glenn Olbrecht, in 2003. And he defines it as a form of psychic or existential distress caused by environmental change. Olivia. On Monday the 10th of January 2022, can you tell us about what was going on that week? On the Monday, um, I was on social media and a friend of a friend was on video showing um, that she had been out for her cycle the night before and realised that um, some trees had been taken down along the towpath. And suddenly I was like, right, okay, I need to, I need to go back and see what she's talking about. And I couldn't really understand where she was so I looked at the video again and realized it was actually on the Stromilis towpath she was doing videos that whole on the Monday and on the Tuesday and um, I couldn't understand why there was no media attention on this so on the Tuesday Molly Rose my daughter who's 10 she was off sick on the Tuesday and I was trying to think okay shall I actually tell her about the trees going down and it was one of those moments where you're a mother and you're thinking, yeah, she doesn't need to know. It's devastating. And then I thought, well, if she goes to school and sees the trees down, she'll be really upset. And I went in and I showed her the videos and she, I never forget her face. She actually said, mum, what are you talking, are those the trees? Mm. The lane? Mm. And I went, yeah. And she went, but why? And I said, I don't know. I'm going to try and figure that out. So on the Wednesday, um, she went to school and that was all fine. But um, I hadn't mentioned anything. And uh, I picked her up from school with my son, Charlie. And the first thing she said to me was, Mom, we need to go to Stromilis. We need to go to the walkway because I need to investigate what's going on and see what trees are down. Mm-hmm. And I thought, are you sure? You really want to go? And she said, yeah. So we went along the path and sure enough, there was trees down, huge stumps all along the little path. She was just looking at me going, what is going on? And then there was a lot of trees that were numbered. She automatically thought, mum, these trees are next. And I thought, well, we don't know that. Yeah. So she was really upset And she decided that she wanted to hug one of the trees that was numbered. And at this stage, we were just standing at the bridge and um, I saw a man going through the bridge and that man happened to be Colin. (laughs) And Colin looked at me because he knew something was going on because Charlie was running around, my son. He was running around with a stick going, chop, chop, chop. Oh. And Molly was, was hugging the trees and I was just standing thinking, what do I do? And so Colin said, are you okay? And I said, yes, but no, I'm trying to console my daughter. And he said, but why? And, and I said, well, she's really upset about the trees. And he said, yeah, well, I'm upset too. I just 
feel for the trees because when I had no friends in Sea of Brides, um, there was a tree and I sat beside it every single day and I did art and it just felt comforting having something to lean against and something that felt like it cared and some people would think I was weird because I cared about the tree so much but it felt nice to have some sort of friend in the world who was alive because trees are alive they have feelings and when they're cut down scientists say they actually feel hurt they're like humans but they just can't move and that's why I think people should care because they are alive So that was the Wednesday, mm-hmm. the 12th of January, Yeah, and it's in the afternoon. It's after school, right? So, Colin, that was the first time you saw that the trees had been chopped. No, I, I'd, saw, I'd saw them on the Monday. I saw the defences and I heard the... I heard the chainsaws, and I saw the same sight you did on the on the Wednesday. On the Monday, seeing with this similarly confused, what is going on? I went on to a, a website next door. And I just put a post saying, "I hope you enjoy those trees because they're gone," with a photo before and after. I'd taken a couple of pictures, and uh, a lot of people went to that website to try and get information. I didn't know what was going on. No no information had been given out as to why the trees were being taken down. There was nobody to talk to or there was no signage. So people were commenting and 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 fairly quickly we realised it was a it was to do with a scheme for building a, a flood wall, which made even less sense. The tidal alleviation yes, the, scheme. The tidal flood alleviation yes. scheme, yeah. The BBC radio picked it up a message through that website on the Tuesday saying, could you come down for a radio interview? So we met up and there was other people there and they added their voices and that went out. And then this is, this is obviously how they work. It, it escalated. And then on the Wednesday morning, I got a phone call to go down to the towpath to be interviewed on TV this time. And it was on my way to that interview that uh. I met. Molly yeah. Rose, Olivia and Charlie. So I said to Colin, my daughter, I need to console her. So then I said, Molly Rose, do you want to come over and said to Colin, you know, why you're upset? And Colin briefly had said to me, um, well, I'm upset too about the trace. And I thought, wow, brilliant. So Molly Rose, I thought it's really important to um, hear her voice. Mm. Um, and I said, Molly Rose, do you want to tell Colin why you're upset? And my daughter is very articulate with words. And she summed up, probably in a minute, how I was feeling, how Colin was feeling. And he actually was quite shocked at how articulate she was. And he said, "Um, I'm actually going to do a TV interview with Mm -hmm. the BBC. Everything that your daughter has said has summed up how I feel. How would you feel about her, you know, saying a few words? So at this point, I thought, right, okay, how am I going to manage Charlie? Because he has autism and he's running around with a stick going, chop, chop, chop. And I thought, well, this is Molly Rose's time to maybe speak her truth. So I said, Molly Rose, how do you feel about that? And she says, well, if it helps any more trees from being chopped, then I'll do it 100%. So after that first BBC 
kind of attention. Mm -hmm. You started organising meetings, community meetings over on the Ormo Road. Why did you call the meetings? What did you think was going to happen or what did you hope would happen out of those meetings? To be perfectly honest, it was to sort of try and get rid of the feeling of helplessness and hopelessness. It, unpacking it is tough. It is Because tough. It, it was so traumatic and it still is, you know. So the, the trees, the sight of the trees, the sound of them being taken down and meeting a little girl, meeting you and the fact that you were, I could see through her and you, and just the very emotions that a 55-year-old can't really easily express or tap into and yet they were right there you know but I also thought I, I've got daughters who are a little bit older and I was trying to explain to them and they weren't understanding it at the same level and I thought to myself you know however unpleasant and however distressing this is we just got to push through we've got to get more people who are feeling the same way together and try and make a little group and start asking questions because really we had to be, you know, almost detectives at this yes. stage. There was literally no information made public about no. the removal of the trees and something so casually mm. and efficiently removed. It was all on by Thursday. You could walk down the lane again and the trees yeah. had disappeared. Yeah. So something crazy had happened in our world and it was as if. It was you all know, kept very on. quiet. Mm. It was all shush, shush. And whenever we were asking other people, they were saying that they were all taken down on the Monday very, very early. So um, the huge big lorries had come down the lane. They couldn't fit them down the lane. And, and they ended up using a, a wood shredder mm -hmm. to shred the huge hundred-year-old trees mm -hmm. so that there wouldn't be evidence of trees on a truck. Oh, my word. They actually shred them secretly on the lane so no one would see. So it was all done very shush, shush. And, wow. and on the leaflet, it just said they were removing vegetation. Yeah. So vegetation is a hundred-year-old tree. Yeah. It's really... And this is... When we all got people together and we were finding out this type of information, as you say, we were um, collecting like detectives going, did you hear this and did you hear that? And amazing people like Peter Cush came on the scene. My first walk, I didn't actually notice the trees. I actually come down Stremelis Road and had gone straight to the Sparrow Hedge. Now, this is a sort of a 30 to 40 metre privet and hawthorn hedge. That's right, a little bit like the trees. It, it pre predates the car parks and the roads. It, it was um, sort of a remnant of perhaps the place back in when it was fields. During lockdown, that was the place to go. Everyone talked about the, yeah. the singing hedge. Mm, the singing hedge, yeah. that's right, yeah. So there's no COVID for the colony of sparrows. Who were just, you know, it was, you were guaranteed as you walked by it to hear the, the riotous life that was going on in that hedge. It was literally sang. And uh, and so, actually, it wasn't the trees that I saw that had been removed first. It was the hedge. They were feeding the hedge into the chipper. And Peter Shaw had said to Colin that he stood in disbelief. Mm. Well, his hedge... You know, he had been, um, you know, binoculars with the sparrows. He knows everything about sparrows and he was in disbelief. Mm. And you say that hedge 
was it perhaps even a remnant of when it was fields. That's mm -hmm. that really I'd never thought about that before. The fact that we've encroached and encroached and encroached on those trees and that hedge. That hedge was enormous and mm -hmm. yeah, full of full of sparrows. And Peter Cush is an older man. He's lived here for a very long time and he would have known that for a very long time. So the idea that that hedge again it was leveled mm -hmm. completely leveled mm -hmm. one of the things that peter said to me was along the embankment where the apartments are he said i remember that this used to be an orchard mm -hmm. and i couldn't believe it so maybe the hedge was connected mm -hmm. to the tree orchard and he said those apartments should never have been built mm -hmm. and he remembers some sort of a issue at the time some people were maybe trying to say, no, don't put apartments there. I can't remember. It was too close to the river or... Peter Koch, what he explained is before there were the apartments, it was actually an industrial site. There was a soup factory. The soup factory had a, had an orchard. Wow. They made jam. The soups and jams, that's right. That remained derelict until I think the 80s, early 80s. So that became kind of wild and the trees kept growing. And um, But then they got planning permission to put in these apartments. And that was controversial because it was still, it's very, very close to the river and the river was prone to flooding and there was actually still mudflats at that time. But nevertheless, these brand new, very fancy apartments went up. And the the uh, plan was to remove the trees because the developer didn't like the idea of the, the, the trees, the apartments oh. being shaded by the trees. But locals back in the eight, late 80s, they put in tree protection orders and saved the trees. Wow. So the irony and the ratchet is that now the trees were being removed to protect the houses yeah. that were there, that were put there despite wow. everybody's... Um, uh, you know, intentions in the in the past. So the trees never stood a chance. They were slowly going to be, you know, removed at some point. at some point oh. for the sake of human development. And you know, that's that the, the hedge is the same um, that was removed because it was in it was in the way of this another part of the the very last part of the tidal flood alleviation scheme. And they chose the hedge because it was the only part of the surrounding area. There wasn't either a road or a car park. Roads belonged to Department of Infrastructure and paths and car parks would be in private hands or belong to the Department of Communities. And to build anything on any of those structures is a legal nightmare. So they went for the strip that was, was public yeah, land. The public land and the yeah. hedge was the, was the bit that, that went. And now... Our issue, I suppose, is not necessarily that, of course, things need to be built and things you can't have a derelict factory. and But it's the environmental cost or the environmental impact that doesn't seem to be discussed or explained or the fact that this whole flood wall, the tidal alleviation, tidal flood, flood tidal, tidal flood, flood alleviation, alleviation. scheme, um, is being done without any environmental impact statement. And that eventually, as we did our detective work, mm -hmm. became the thing that bothered us the most so that the trees could come down because nobody calculated or thought about the environmental impact of taking the trees down and the hedge down and the various other things that have, that have had to be taken down. 
Well, do you remember the first time I met you? It, it was again at the same meeting. I met Peter. Um, we were meeting the Lord Mayor. Yes. With Molly Rose. Yes. You had a poster that really struck me. Can you remember what the poster said? So I went, that was the first time I met you, Colin, mm-hmm. and wow. you also, Olivia. That was the first time I saw on next door that there was going to be a meeting about the trees. And I was thinking, what? What trees? What if they? And I had at that moment, I had a funny sinking feeling. I thought, oh, I bet you it's those trees down near the bridge. And the reason I thought that is because we had cycled quite a bit along the towpath during the summer and during COVID. Mm -hmm. And I had always been struck by how amazingly beautiful those trees were and how that tiny little triangle of land Mm -hmm. was just this little like a little wood mm-hmm. and I thought oh my god please don't tell me it's there that's when I met you first and we went down and there were people milling around it was actually quite a relief to see that other people were involved that's what you were talking about before about the whole collective mm-hmm. thing The front of that lane, there was two huge mature trees um, and they were absolutely beautiful. And the Department of Infrastructure, they chopped them to stumps. Mm-hmm. So there was two huge stumps left at the start of the lane. And then when you pass the rest, there was huge tarmac, dark black tarmac squares going the whole way down the lane, probably counting to about maybe 12. 13. 13 yet Molly Rose she called the lane a tree graveyard and she wouldn't even allow me to walk on the tarmac she said mum don't that's where the tree was Mm -hmm. but the devastation of that lane it ripped the heart Mm -hmm. yes shocking it was like is this the same place Mm -hmm. that I that was before I was really disorientating you know my neighbor was there and she was the one who brought those little signs she was studying for her horticultural exam and it was just like a little a4 piece of paper with her neat handwriting and it was something that said a mature tree absorbs x thousand liters of water Mm -hmm. a day or year or something like this and the issue was that mature trees are flood alleviators. So mm-hmm. the 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 irony or the absurdity that I think we were all kind of encountering for the first time was that they had completely leveled these mature trees which grew alongside the river because they were going to build a wall to protect us from flooding. And yet mm-hmm. mature trees protect us from flooding. My friend and I were there with our little... A4 sign. Just with this factual statement. I always remember that. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I remember how proud you were, but you were just standing there with the little mm-hmm. sheet of paper. Um, and it, and I was like, wow, there's other people who care, you know. Yeah. And there was a comfort mm-hmm. that there, there was. was other people. It was almost like we were at a funeral for the trees. Yeah, yeah. But that comfort, that is actually extraordinary. If I had just been there myself, I would have just gone, that feeling of help, like the jo- it was done. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just me cycling there going, wow, these trees are nice. It's mm-hmm. 
Molly Rose and her walk to school and your walk with the dog and mm -hmm. the people even who live in those apartments, when we met them at the meeting, they also talked about how the trees mm -hmm. meant a lot to them. So there is kind of a comfort in solidarity, I suppose, or, or yeah. recognition that mm -hmm. this is not just me. Mm -hmm. Actually, yeah. other people are feeling this as well. So I think um, after I met Colin and the TV interview, I think at one point then um, he had said, um, I would like Molly Rose to write a letter to the Lord Mayor. Molly Rose drew a beautiful picture of a tree and uh, wrote a letter to say, could you help us? They've ruined a lane with beautiful trees. We need your help to make sure no other trees are going to come down. And the Lord Mayor at the time was Kate Nicholl. Actually had a lot of councillors and even MLAs came out. They actually made up half people who attended. So they, they were, say, 25, 12 of them were councillors. Obviously damage limitation had blindsided them. And they saw through Twitter and Nextdoor and Facebook that there was a groundswell of interest and outrage. At the time, there was a elections coming up. So we thought, right, we've got the rear. Let's really explore that, trying to get as much activity around the councillors and the MLAs. As you say, at the time, Lord Mayor was Kate Nicholl, member of the Alliance Party, but has a, a background in environmental activism. And so she was a very sympathetic ear and, and uh, we invited the schools to, to, to bring the children down. Yeah. And so we had a meeting of locals, the Lord Mayor and quite a few children. And, and Molly Rose. And it was her idea to um, put a ribbon mm. on the railing to um, in remembrance of the trees and all our little friends tied ribbons. Belfast Live came down. And I thought the whole situation was very emotional because Belfast Live started getting comments about my children and, you know, oh, yes. like real negative with social media. And I really didn't like that. Mm -hmm. So Mama Burr came out and I was like, why are they making fun of my son who mm -hmm. has autism? Why are they making fun of Molly Rose? One of the comments was... Um, She's been put up to that. And why are the tying ribbons? It's, it was just very silly. Mm -hmm. But at the time, I was very, I remember saying to Colin, I'm a wee bit worried, you know, because I've never been involved in social media before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, It was all very tough to take on because we were trying to do something positive. Yes. Yeah, I remember the ribbons. And I wasn't navigating like a small child like that. But yes, even as things happened later on, I get that it's the flip side of the solidarity, isn't it? That on one hand you have, you find pe like-minded people or you find allies, yeah. but you also come across mm -hmm. people who are like, well, don't you, do you want everyone's houses to be flooded you're exactly. just from Stranmillis and you're not from around here. And that also made us try to be a bit smarter as well because, yes, it's about those trees, but actually it's about, wait a minute, you're building a flood alleviation, tidal flood alleviation scheme, and you haven't done an environmental impact assessment. You haven't actually figured out what the what the impact on the environment is going to be. Oh, we we screened it out. Are there mm -hmm. there words we someone investigated and said actually you don't need to do. And that is I think what really Pushed. woke us up mm -hmm. a little bit mm -hmm. to so they they can just do this. Like all of this is legal. You know, there's nothing kind of illegal. And I just felt like 
the ground shook a little mm-hmm. bit beneath us. That's like, a good yeah. way of putting it, yeah. You know, we'd, we'd also spent lockdown walking around the Lagan towpath, going every day mm-hmm. in all weather and being so amazed that such a wild kind of place could be so close to the city of Belfast and yet it was the home to kingfisher and heron and and coots and mm-hmm. moorhens and ducks and uh, all of those and a seal mm-hmm. and and that it was vulnerable suddenly that there was this idea that maybe they don't know what they're doing maybe they could come at any time that really shook mm-hmm. me you did a bit of research colin into the remainder of the trees there was a remnant of tr- of trees mm-hmm. in that little triangle piece of land just near governor's bridge and you found that one of those trees had been planted by belfast's first woman Lord Mayor, correct? Is that right? No, in 1978? Technically. So actually, so the, the, the trees that came down immediately, they were sycamores. And they were planted about 90 to 95 years ago. And so they were put there as part of a modernization. Back in wow. the day, they used to modernize, they planted trees. So it was a boulevard scheme. So they wanted the... It was like a boulevard yeah, when you think about exactly. it. Exactly. So all boulevards are tree lines. The railing, the metal railing exactly, would yeah. have dated from that time. That's right. Wow. It was beautification and enhancement of the area. Because at the area, uh, rather ironically, back that stretch of the river, and in fact all along the river, would have been extremely industrial. Brickworks, tar works, bottle factories, sandbanks, the whole thing. It was actually a very industrial City, of course, everybody knows that. The way of softening it and to stabilise the bank, they, they planted these fast-growing sycamore trees. The stumps uh, that remained, we did a little bit of dendrochronology, um, yeah. which basically just count the rings, and it tallied exactly with some photos we were able to find on the National Museum Archive. The same site, it, 90 years ago, it was barren of trees. Yeah. So these trees... You could oh, see them as little baby trees. Tiny, tiny trees, yeah. that's right, yeah. Part of the dismay was, first of all, that something as big as a tree can just be gone in a day. That's kind of terrifying. I, I, did, I think we all felt kind of like children. Uh, you did. know, Because it was so, so distressing. But also, there was a heritage there. A history. A history. Those trees had been witness to all of the developments of the city from anybody alive in Belfast today would have known those trees. That's Everybody born. They were they were sort of our co, co, co-inhabitants, you know, and they were really linked to the past. I think COVID framed a lot of my connection to that area, to that river, because we were all confined to barracks and we were all had to keep our... Our worlds got a lot smaller, but for a lot of us, it got a lot richer because by repeatedly going through over the same areas, not being able to use the car, not being able to use public transport... We became much more, I became much more aware of our surroundings and became more and more precious, like the hedge, like those trees. Yeah. But I, I know that um, Malero had a specific, particular connection with those trees to that place. She always loved going down those trees um, whenever she was younger. Whenever I asked her, you know, why are you so emotional about trees? She had a little experience a few years ago when she was feeling really low and when she was feeling really down. She, like, it's actually very emotional saying it. She said she went under the tree to feel secure, to feel strong. And she said she felt a real strength. Mm. And all the nonsense was going around to the playground. She felt very alone. 
but not when she was under this big tree. Mm -hmm. Wow. She would, might have been only eight or nine at that time. Then I decided to move her schools and we went up and down that lane. And she said she just loved the feeling of the trees. So I guess when the trees came down, she thought trees have helped me in the past. So now it's my turn to help them. Mm. That's where her emotion came from. The sycamore trees were immediately adjacent or lined the, the towpath. There was a small coppice of smaller trees and, and younger, and they created a little small triangular coppice. I think there were about 15 of them. Four of them continued the line of sycamore trees, and they were still there. They, they were intact, so hadn't been uh, touched by the, by the contractors, but they but were they had, numbered. They had numbers on they them. They all had numbers. So we thought, okay, so they're next. So we hadn't been able to obviously save the trees, but we were going to try and save these trees. And I'd found on the BBC Rewind website a tree planting ceremony that had taken place in 1972 by the then and the first uh, Lord Mayor Grace Bannister. And it's grainy, as you can imagine, in 1972. Um, it's a formal occasion. In the background, you can see the bridge, and you can see some of the, and you can see the railings. And it's just a wonderful sort of uh, immediate connection. And there's the tree going in. The thing, there was lots of men as That's well. That's right. Yes. And she was a lady That's wearing right. this beautiful suit mm -hmm, dress mm -hmm. with a shovel. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Yes. I'm making quite got a good job of it actually. You know, yeah, she was definitely she planted, planting a tree. Yeah, yeah. And she was planting the tree that was going to be maybe knocked down. Nineteen seventy-two was probably the worst time to be alive in Belfast. Definitely. It was absolutely the darkest of dark times. It was a woman Lord Mayor. A, what an extraordinary achievement. B, talking about taking risks and putting herself out there, but being any sort of public figure back then uh, was was putting herself in in harm's way. But she was planting a tree. And such a hopeful thing. It's, it's it's a very traditional thing. It's a very conventional thing. Yeah. But I was thinking, you know, and it was part of the beautification of the of the area. And the symbolism must have been even more stark back then. Mm. You know, it was about trees are always about growth and the mm. future and, and spring. And I thought, what a beautiful thing to have done then. And then her legitimate expectation was that the future generations, that we were kind of the guardians of those trees. That's it. And long before that tree was ever even properly mature, fast forward, you know, we've wrecked the planet, climate change. Sorry, this tree has to come down because we need a wall to stop the adjacent apartments from flooding. So we thought, aha, you know, this is already, we knew that from talking to the local councillors, but a PR nightmare for the Department for Infrastructure. We had contacts with some of the engineers, made them aware of our feelings and our distress, and they'd made us aware of their plans and their rationale. So we thought, right, at least we've got something here where we can sort of cast some sort of spell around this tree by really making people aware of what that there's a legacy there, that it's still there. The current Lord Mayor, Kate Nichol, who we mentioned earlier, she is was only ever the fifth woman Lord Mayor out of, I think, it was 500 years. 
So there was the connection between the Lord Mayors across time. So we photographed the tree. We got in contact with Grace Bannister's descendants um, through Twitter. We did a little bit of history of it and, and talked about it. And Kate Nichol came down and we took photos of her hugging the tree and we tied a ribbon round it. And we just thought, you know, pause here. Perhaps you can revisit your plans. We know the rationale about the, the tidal flood alleviation wall. Nobody's against it. But surely, given the climate catastrophe and the biodiversity catastrophe, we can do something for these trees. And so that's when the Save Our Lagan group really had a purpose and a goal to save those trees. So signs had gone up around that area, work signs that were saying, on Monday, this would be closed for work on the tidal flood alleviation. Exploratory work. That's right. And there was no sense of what that would be. We didn't mm -hmm. know what it was. I thought we would go down and see. We saw the digger and the workmen were like, you've got to move. And you, you were just saying, well, why do we have to move? And what are you planning to do? And they were saying, oh, the trees have to be removed. Yes, and I think we didn't know what to do, so we did nothing except stand there. Mm -hmm. And that bothered them a, a little bit. Lisa was there as well, and yeah. she stood very close to the digger, which Listen. made them stop, actually. So I think we, we didn't know what to do, so we just stood and we stood near them. And, and we, then we went on the WhatsApp and said, we need more people to come. That's mm -hmm. right. And then they put up the fencing around us. They put the fencing up around the triangle and we were inside the <laughs> triangle. So they locked us in. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden we were protesting. All of we, a sudden yeah. we were protesting. And they well, called we were, the police on us? Yeah, well, we were trying. We were by. trying to save the trees, and we, then all of a sudden we were barricaded, and it was like, "What is going mm -hmm. on?" Yeah. Then Belfast Live came down, the police kind of came down. Construction people were saying, "You can't be here. You have to leave." And the and we asked the police and said, "Do we have to leave?" And they said, "No, it's public land. You're allowed to be there." So we just right stood there. Yes. Lisa brought a poster to say, save oh, the trees. She had a painted banner That's that it. she brought down. And you know what? We held that banner. That banner made mm. us feel 10 times larger. It really because did. rather than us just standing there, suddenly we could stand together. We could hold the banner. We could unfold it. We had and a purpose. And it gave us a presence. And it was like a little protection thing, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, against these blokes with mm -hmm. their hard hats and, and everything yeah and I can remember when the barricade and we had the banner all these cars started going past beeping mm -hmm. and it was like beep beep wow there's people who care but that gave you more of a wow this is something important yeah. we're doing something good here I think I was scared but I was also pretty quickly emboldened actually we did rattled them a little bit like they stopped digging they they kept trying to do what they wanted to do and trying to say oh it's just exploratory where we just want to see whether we need to chop the trees down or something I don't know they were saying that but the fact that we were just there standing slowed them down and then they stopped mm -hmm. and I 
They started packing up, I think. Yes, they left. They left. I well, think... yeah, and I think it's worth talking about just how intimidating these contractors are and how tricky it is or how uncomfortable, definitely I felt, just stepping out of your anonymity and, and, and trying to do something. Because they go about things with such a, a sort of a casual but forceful way. We're putting up barriers... We're getting our diggers. We're. Um, they started to cable tie the 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 uh, railings together mm-hmm. to keep us in. That's right. And they were ignoring us. They were going about their business as if we weren't as there. As if we weren't there. Yeah. So we didn't exist. We were we were absolute bother, and they thought, you know what? If we just keep on going, then they'll ideally they'll just go away. The, the communication with them was was terrible. They were actually lying to us. One of them was saying, um, you know, we're taking the trees down. Then a manager came up. You always know their managers because they have slightly better uh, coats. So he was saying... Um, <laughs> high-vis. High-vis. Well, no, they sort of get the high-vis. Oh, if you want to speak to somebody in a suit now, then you've won. But uh, they were basically saying, no, no, this is exploratory. There's absolutely uh, no no intention of taking any trees down, et cetera, et cetera. But this stage, obviously, the trust that we had with them, and it's pretty obvious that we couldn't trust them at all, so the um, so then we had this ten day nine day standoff. Yeah, Belfast Live came down, mm-hmm. and when they saw the cameras, do you remember when the uh, BBC came down as well? Did the they co- come that first day? Yes, the contractors disappeared as soon as they saw the cameras. Wow, mm-hmm. they like disappeared out of nowhere mm-hmm. because the cameras came down. They thought this is serious stuff. Mm-hmm. We're going to be on TV. So that's incredible that all that happened on that first day. So on the first day, it went from me just meeting you. Yeah, going, mm. do you think anything's going to go on here? To barricaded in, holding up Lisa's fantastic banner. Mm-hmm. And the engineers from the DFI, the Department for Infrastructure, were, were calling us, yep. explaining, you yep. know, saying there's, there's no need. This is, again, this is exploratory and, and not saying, well, then we don't trust you. So we want to see your plans and what, we want a tree surgeon. Sign off and yeah. tell us that these trees cannot be saved. And if they can't, then we would be assured that, uh, you know, why not? So that first day, we probably stayed, I don't know, till mid-morning or something. Yes. And we spoke afterwards and we had this feeling that we'd done something. Mm-hmm. Because, because it went from they came along to do their work, but we stopped them. And mm-hmm. that was quite... We had to figure out how to get out. Do you not remember? <laughs> out of that because we were parking it in. <laughs> so we had to figure out how to get out. We got out and then we were like, right, they've gone. They've yep. disappeared. Let's, let's relax now and go yes. get coffee. Mm-hmm. And But then there was the feeling that because the sign said that they had permission to work for the, the week, mm-hmm. that the, right. the work would be done that week. So there was no guarantee that they wouldn't come back the next day. Mm-hmm. So... I just went again the next day because I thought, well, if I stand there, yeah. And I I made a banner as well. That's it. No, we had two banners. I have never made a banner right. in my life. <laughs> nice. And there I was spreading out thinking, oh, now I know what to do with these old sheets mm-hmm. and <laughs> painting Save Our Lagan mm-hmm. on one of them, which I honestly had never done before. But I could see the power of the banner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. holding it and the kind of the large visibility of it. And I thought, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know if they're going to be there. I don't know anything, but I'm just going to go and stand. Mm-hmm. 
and we, Chris and I went and we would hang up the banners. Um, Lisa would come hang up the banners. People would kind of come by and that's what we did. But we weren't allowed in because we had to stand outside the so barricade. So we stood outside, in. we hung the banners up on the barricade yeah. and it so happened that it's quite a busy corner mm. as morning traffic is coming around the corner from Governor's Bridge. There is a roundabout there at the bottom of Stranmellis and so the traffic can slow. And yes, people were beeping their horns <laughs> and waving and mm -hmm. we could wave. And that was really also empowering, right? Because we, yeah. we were quite visible. Because the other thing, it was very loose. Nobody organized it. Nobody mm. said, let's meet at this time. People came and stood or left. No one was telling anybody what to do. People were just doing what they... But we were trying to save those triangle trees. Yep. Mm -hmm. And we were there. So the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, on Thursday, Russia invaded Ukraine. Mm -hmm. It was the 24th of February wow. and it was snowing. And I remember I was a bit... The adrenaline of that week, mm -hmm. the, the kind of making the banner at night, getting up first thing, just putting on my hiking clothes and running down to the thing because they these guys start early I always felt mm -hmm. like you had to be there early and that day when Russia was invading Ukraine and it was snowing is going to make me feel really emotional but I just thought because some people are going to say mm -hmm. there's bigger things to think about there's a war going on like what what do you care about these few trees but I thought they were the same mm -hmm. thing I thought that if it's violence, someone can just go in and do what they want and be violent and you have no um, recourse against that. And I felt it was the same thing. If we can't even stand up for a few trees, mm -hmm. how is Ukraine going to stand up against Russia? So I actually felt that they were the same thing. And so standing there with a banner in the snow on that day especially... Um, and I've lived in Russia and I speak a little bit of Russian. I felt really strongly about that. And I've been to Ukraine as well. And yeah, so I felt that they were the same thing. And that that little way of standing um, on the side of the road with a banner with you guys and with the other people was almost like kind of standing, <laughs> so stupid, standing up against Putin as well. You know, like, we like standing up against violence, protecting yeah. the vulnerable making a stand just mm -hmm. saying this this is wrong this is not okay mm -hmm.